Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. If you're planning a meeting, conference, or special event in Missoula, consider the Wingate by Wyndham. Our event space is comfortable and flexible. Whether you need an intimate boardroom meeting or a conference war 100, Missoula's Wingate is the perfect fit. Our audio-visual equipment, upgraded internet, and flexible food and beverage policies allow you to put on an impressive show without breaking the bank. Call us at Missoula's Wingate, where we make you feel at home when you're not. We go now to the Rangers Brothers RV phone line. It's 12 for the 12. 12 minutes for the Seahawks fans with our good buddy Mike Dugar. Mike, it's been a little bit. We had Thanksgiving in there. It's great to have you back on the show. How you doing? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, the Seahawks keep winning. People keep reading my stuff. Uh, wash, rinse, repeat. It's great. <laughs> it is great. Mike uh, covered the Seahawks for the Athletics, so if you're wondering where to read his stuff, do it there. Also, go follow him at Mike Dugar. 101 more followers Mike Dugar's at 10,000. How about let's that? Go. So let's get him up over the top, people. Um, Mike, let's talk about the Seahawks. Let's go back just a little bit. Uh, the Seahawks win in a couple very close games because that's the way that they do it, but they are now one of four teams in the NFL with the best record in the league, 10-2, and two, and they are now on top of the NFC West officially with the head-to-head tiebreak against the 49ers. Obviously, they're in a great position, but what's been going well for them this last just couple of weeks? Well, they've kind of got away from what was what they were doing, both positively and negatively, uh, in the first like nine games of the year. You know, they're running the rock uh, really well. Obviously, Rashad Penny's been good the past couple of weeks. Yeah, uh, and they're playing great defense. Not good defense. They're playing great defense. I know there was the you know if you have Laquan Treble in fantasy, you're like, ah, oh, the defense isn't that great. Uh, he was wide open on Monday night. Right. Uh, but you notice uh, Laquan had that was Laquan's only catch. Of yeah. the night, right? Like clearly a, a maybe the first catch of his again. career. <laughs> <laughs> I can't yeah, ever remember him catching a touchdown. Yeah, it might be his first touchdown catch since he was at Ole Miss. Um, yes, yeah, it's like they've been playing great defense. You know, I think the defense has ten turnovers. I think in total they have eleven, but the special teams has has one. I got to give that unit its own individual credit. Uh, but yeah, you look between the Niners game, the Philly game, and obviously that Minnesota game where they were able to just. Shut down Dalvin Cook. Even before he got hurt, dude had like nine carries for like 29 yards. That's nothing uh, for Dalvin Cook's standards. And they shut down the whole running game. Uh, Stephon Diggs looked pedestrian. 
uh, against the secondary, and they were they weren't even able to get the Kirk Cousins like that, and still forced uh, two turnovers on defense. So I think uh, that's been the biggest change because before you guys remember first nine games, they looked like the Chiefs of 2018. They were throwing it all over the place. Russ was clearly going to win MVP, and the defense was not good. It was giving up touchdowns and points all over the place, very much like Kansas City uh, last year. But they flipped it because Pete doesn't want to play like that. Now they're playing like a team that can run for a buck fifty, buck seventy five. Uh, on anybody, and then turn the ball over, or you know, turn the other team over, which is like Pete Carroll football. That's been the biggest thing. I remember you wrote an article just kind of about the defense and how they weren't playing very well. And it seems like since then they've really turned the corner. What though? What can you put your finger on? I mean, have they changed anything, or is this a matter of the unit coming together? What's changed for their defense? Uh, I think a few things. One, just Jay Reed and Clowney have just kind of. Built a little chemistry there. You know, that, that's part of it. I think Jay Reed came back in week six. Things clicked in like week 10. Probably a little bit longer than people would have liked, uh, but that was just the reality of it. I think Quandre Diggs at free safety has made a, a big difference. Uh, I think uh, I'm going to plug someone else here. I don't have a bad look, but uh, Doug Farrar over at uh, the USA Today, uh, he has a good breakdown of how the Seahawks have uh, looked since the Niners game. And it's just, he has, like, their numbers. It's crazy, man. You look at Shaq's coverage numbers, Trey's coverage numbers, uh, Seattle's pass defense numbers over those those three games. It's some of the best stuff in the league. It's really on par with, like, the Ravens, Steelers, you know, Niners, teams that have been killing it uh, defensively. And you look at those teams, uh, and they all have great secondary play. Like, that's, that's where Seattle is right now, up there with those teams. Now, their overall, like, numbers don't look great because they stunk for nine weeks, right? So it takes a little, takes better than a three-game stretch to fix that. Uh, but really, it's all about how good you're playing right now and how healthy you are right now. It's almost as if those numbers for the nine weeks don't matter because they didn't have Quandre Diggs. Uh, now they only had like half a Jaron Reed. So I think uh, having Jay Reed back, having him have some chemistry with Clowney, uh, you know, getting something finally out of Ziggy Ansa, and then yeah, having an actual legitimate free safety back there. His defense doesn't work without a good free safety, as we saw. Like it, it just doesn't. It can survive, but. Survive, it doesn't win you Super Bowls. It's dominating wins you Super Bowls. Well, Quandre Diggs has been uh, an amazing pickup for the Seahawks since he came over from Detroit, no doubt about it. Mike Dugard joining us. We talk a little Seahawks football. He writes for the, uh, covers the Seahawks, writes for the Athletic. And uh, Seattle, a huge game again. Seems like they just go back to back to back with these things. But Sunday night, we'll have it for you here on ESPN Radio, Sunday night football against the Los Angeles Rams. People, I think, know about the rivalry a little bit. These have been, uh, you know, obviously San Francisco now this year, but these have been the two best teams in the division going back for the past several years. But the Rams obviously down a little bit from what people may have expected, 7-5. and five. Where are we at in terms of thinking that this is still a good team or are they just a little bit better than average team at 7-5? and five? What what are the Rams to you, really? They probably are a little bit better than average, but uh, I think it's important to note that Jared Goff has always been able to throw the ball in the Seahawks. I think with the exception of his first meeting, I think 20, I want to say 17, uh, with Sean McVay down in L.A. I think they only scored like 10 points. But if you remember, I, people don't because it, it seems like I'm scared now. Cooper Cup dropped the game-winning touchdown in that in that game as mm. Seahawks won 16-10. Uh, again, down, down in L.A. Since then, Jared's been able to just move the ball really well. And maybe the rest of the league is caught up to Sean McVay and Jared. And maybe Jared stinks. Maybe he doesn't stink. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, but until I see the Seahawks shut him down, I won't believe it. Uh, now I asked 
asked Trey Flowers and Shaquille Griffin this the other day. I said, hey, guys, if I wanted to ask you why this game is going to be different against Jared Goff and the other games, what would you say? Shaquille just looked at me and said, because we're in our bag now. I was like, what does that mean? He was just like, we're, we just, we're trusting each other, believing in each other. They can't surprise us with nothing. If they switch anything up, we're ready for that, too. We know what they're going to do. We know how to stop it. I wish I had the audio for you guys. It's long. Uh, but <laughs> that, was the, that was the gist of his uh, argument. I looked at Trey. I was like, all right, Trey, what you got, man? Shaq gave me something good. Trey's like, look, he's like, they're going to make plays. We're going to make plays, too. It's all about who makes more plays. That's going to be us. So I was like, all right. Trey's a lot more succinct in his speeches than, than Shaq, if you guys <laughs> haven't, haven't noticed. But both great answers. So if they're right, because they sound a lot more confident than they did. Uh, I actually asked Shaq before they played in week five, too. He sounded confident, but not nearly as, as confident. And this is someone who treats Cedric Thompson like a brother, and he's clearly the, the, he was clearly the weak link in the secondary. So if those two are right, then uh, we'll see a different version of the Seahawks-Rams matchup than we've seen in weeks past. I know what I think in terms of the reasons the Rams aren't as good as they were a year ago, but what do you think? Why aren't the Rams where they were at a year ago when they won the NFC? Well, I think Jared Goff falls in the category of quarterbacks who have a really high ceiling that can be reached when everything around them is going incredibly well. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think they're, I think most of the league is there, to, uh, to be honest. I think Kirk Cousins is there, Jimmy Garoppolo is there, Jared Goff is there. Um, Dak Prescott's probably there too Carson Wentz Again, most of the quarterbacks in the league Are there I would say that maybe Aaron Aaron, Even Tom at this age Is probably there too But like Drew, Russ uh, I don't know yet about Lamar Because everything around him is really great right now So I have to see what happens when when that isn't the case But yeah, Jared's just like a really good quarterback When things are going well And he's got a really high ceiling and a super-duper Jeff Fisher uh, low floor, which is not great. So when his O-line isn't fantastic, when his star running back has arthritis in his knee or whatever, uh, then, yeah, things aren't going that well, and he thinks. So I think that's been the the biggest change. I don't necessarily think the league has, like, figured out Sean McVay. I do think he's been kind of poor at adjusting to the adjustments people have made against him, but, I mean, he's a new coach. That'll come with time. The main thing, I think, is Jared isn't one of those dudes who, all right, my own line stinks, whatever, I'm still going to make this happen. Right? That's, that's rare air. That's reserved for you know, people like Russ. Uh, you know, I think even Matt Ryan was there for a stretch, probably not anymore. Uh, Cam Newton was there for, for a stretch. The 2015 team was, was, was crap <laughs> outside of the run game and Cam so, and their tight end. So I think that's been the biggest problem with the Rams. Mike Dugard joining us, 12 for the 12s. We try to do this every Friday, get you set up for Seahawks football for the weekend. All right, Mike, the uh, Rams uh, and Seahawks played week five, as you mentioned. The C- Seattle won that game at CenturyLink Field by one point, 30-29. But it's a much different time now as we head into week 14. What do you think happens in Los Angeles Sunday night? Oof, man, that's, that's tough because as much as I want to believe Shaquille and, and Trey – and then just buy into why this game is uh, going to be different. I actually had another play, defensive player tell me why it was going to be different ahead of week five, and it looked exactly the same. Um, what he said made some sense, but I, uh, it just it didn't play out how he said it would. I think the big problem is that the Seahawks still co- struggle excuse me, to cover tight ends. If you remember, Gerald Everett had 136 yards <laughs> in the first game on like seven catches. He was killing it. The only reason Cedric Thompson had that, that interception uh, in week five that was supposed to secure the game is because Gerald dropped the ball. That was it. He was wide open. 
uh, and that's why they ended up going back down the field and getting that uh, field goal drive to end the game. The kicker just stinks because never kicked. Uh, so I'm predicting another close game because, again, until I see them shut down Jared Goff, I'm not going to believe it. So I'll go with 27-26 Seahawks. Ooh. Barely, barely, oh. barely. Another one point. I, mean, I think the line on this in Vegas is like a pick em. So I, I think I'm right on par with uh, what they expect as well. I'll go one point win. Uh, Well, you know, I I like the pick. I think, you know, they always play close games, and so that's reasonable. The other thing, though, too, is this is a massive game for the Rams. I mean, they're all big, obviously, for every team, and Seattle trying to keep pace with San Francisco. But the Rams, if if they go to 7-6, and they're done. I mean, they're they're, they're effectively out of it. If they can get a win against Seattle, get themselves to 8-5, and they're still very much in the hunt in a lot of respects, obviously, especially in the wild card, right? So, I mean, that is... is, uh, Part of the, what's playing into this game in my mind, and yes, it is a pick'em game. Well, yeah. The other other thing is for the Rams. Let's say you lose, right? Which I think they will, and they'll they'll miss the playoffs, right? Then they have a really tough decision to make as an organization. They need to decide. Well, obviously, they got some guys on the books who aren't playing well, Jared, Todd. Uh, but the other thing is you have to decide. All right, do we want to chase who we were, the team that won the division, or accept who we are now and try to maximize what we have left? So I think that's what teams get. It's stuff trying to do. It's like, oh, this is what we we did when we won. Let's just try to replicate that. When you can't replicate all the circumstances around those things uh, as well, but you can take stock of who you are and try to maximize that and go in a direction that your t- that your current roster as as uh, as currently constructed matched with you know free agent pool and you know the current you know, like draft class match that with where you can go. Uh, the Rams will probably do a little bit of the former more than the latter, but. They'll have that decision to make, and I think it's the same one the Eagles have had to make recently, and you see how that's going. Mike, as always, man, we appreciate it very much. Thanks so much for being with us. Mike Dugar covers the Seahawks for the Athletic. Go read his stuff there. Follow him on Twitter, at Mike Dugar. Thanks, Mike. Oh, yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me, as always. Coulter, you have a business, and your business is based in the World Wide Web. Indeed, I do, so I'm on my computer all the time. And if you're not online, you're not making money, and it is important to make sure that you're online and secure. Am I right? Absolutely. Got to be cyber safe this day and age. Well, for you business owners out there, whether you have an online business or a brick-and-mortar business, it's still running through the web. We all know that's a fact. And in today's always-on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, they deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to the endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across the state of Montana. They do. They're keeping everybody cyber secure and ensuring that businesses run the way that they need to across the state. So ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. That's goblackfoot.com slash business. And you can click the link right here in the old podcast. We've made it so very easy for you. Go visit and find out how to keep your business or the business of people you know secure online with Blackfoot. You got it. You got it. Appreciate that, Mike Dugar. So Seattle, Sunday night again against the Rams. We'll have it for you. ESPN Radio uh, uh, pregame starts at 4 o'clock, kickoff at 6.20. Steve Rabel telling you all and everything that's going on. Coulter, does he guzzle guzzle the rest of your iced coffee over there? You said off the top that you wanted to... you, you had a question for me. You want to offer me something and specifically to, to convince me that the Seattle Seahawks are not a Super Bowl contender. 
Now, you can have that opinion. That's fine. I'm going to disagree with that straight away. I can tell you that. But I will. I am interested how to hear you, what you have to how say. How do you define Super Bowl contender? Well, that's that's a big part of what is going to frame the answer to this. That's what I'm saying is I think that it's over. it's overblown who is a Super Bowl contender. Like the other night, the Vikings lost to the Seahawks. Right, they're not a Super Bowl contender. They're not. The Vikings are a really good team. They're one of the ten best teams in the NFL. They're actually probably one of the eight best teams in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Still doesn't make them a Super Bowl contender. I, I agree with that. I think the only teams, who are the the teams only that can teams, actually go out and win the thing. The is only teams that I have seen this season that I think can win the Super Bowl are the Baltimore Ravens and the New England Patriots. That's it. Um, here's why: with here, buys and home games, I can't see anybody beating those teams. Here, here's why you're wrong there, okay? Ter- you're, of course, right about those two teams. But they're both AFC teams. So there is going to be a team playing, presumably, one of those two teams. Sure, I just don't think, there's, has, there's, like, I just don't think there's anybody in the NFC that can, that can win this room. No, 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 no. In a in a one game scenario in a Super Bowl, anybody can win the game. But Would that's they not be, true. When's yes, the, when's, no, the no, la- it is when's true. the last time that one of the three best teams in the NFL won the Super? Philadelphia the, beat New England in the. They Super were one Bowl. of the three best teams in the in the NFL that year, though. They were the definitive best team in the NFC. That find me the team that was not one of the three or four best teams in the league for the breadth of the season. They, here's all I'm saying, though, is that you're gonna, you're, it's gonna be impossible to go back and look at a team that, in fact, won the Super Bowl and go, oh, but they it's weren't one impossible. of the best teams. It's not impossible. You watch the NFL every single week. The last time a team straight up got hot won the Super Bowl was the Green Bay Packers. Packers did it. The Giants have done it. The Giants, the Giants is a good example. Yeah. Well, other than that, every Super Bowl champion of this century has been one of, if not the best team. And granted, six of those 18 champions have been the New England Patriots, who are always among the three best teams in the league. But but all I'm saying is, if there's a team who's going to be for sure in the Super Bowl as a matter of mathematical fact that isn't one of the two best teams, there's still a very real chance that that team wins the Super Bowl. Uh, I just, I guess what I'm saying is that I just, I think the Seahawks are good. I don't think they're good enough. I don't think they're good enough to get to or win the Super Bowl. I just don't. The, the, uh, the Ravens and the Patriots, let's say they play each other in the AFC Championship mm-hmm. game, which I am hoping and praying for because I think that yep. would be an unbelievable game. Yep. Okay. One of those two teams is going to go, and just as of right now, they're going to be favored and probably heavily favored over just about anybody that they would match up against. Totally. But here's the thing. When you're talking about, when you're setting this thing up right now, okay, there's two teams, excuse me, three teams that are 10-2 and two in the NFC. Yep. The Saints, the 49ers, and the Seahawks. The yep. Seahawks have the head-to-head and are currently in first place in the division. Now, if they if they win the division, they are going to have a bye in the first round of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Then they will be hosting... Mm-hmm. Somebody who won't be, by the way, the New Orleans Saints. Totally, a a a playoff game in CenturyLink Field is one hundred percent a a winnable and probably even a favored scenario for the Seattle Seahawks. Certainly, but to go but, to the NFC Championship game, and if you're in the championship game in either conference, you are a Super Bowl contending team. Period. Not, though, because they still can't win the Super Bowl. No, yes, they can. They're they can not going win it. to though. It is almost a 100 percent guarantee that the Seattle Seahawks will not win the Super Bowl. That that is no. First of all, you're just stating that as a platitude, but that is not real. 
That's yeah. That's not a take. Thank you, David. Like just saying your belief that it's not that it's almost a one hundred percent guarantee okay, they can't he, do it. Here's my take: they're not good enough. They don't have enough elite. They don't have any elite players on defense besides Bobby Wagner, and he doesn't play the correct position. You have to have either an elite corner or an elite edge. They don't have it. They don't have it. Quadron Diggs is a elite safety. He's elite secondary player. Have you seen his stats? Who cares? I'm just saying, man. Like it's it's all. I mean. All I'm saying is that the NFC is so diluted this year that I just really don't. I think that all the teams that have good records are just not that good. They're just winning against. They're, they're good. They're not elite. They're not elite. They're not elite. The New Orleans Saints. Would are you elite. not be surprised if the Packers won the Super Bowl this year? Yes, I would be. Would you be surprised if any team in the NFC won the Super Bowl this no, year? No, I would not. Would be su- you? You? You wouldn't be surprised if this Seahawks team won the Super Bowl. This is not. This is not even in the top four Seahawks teams of the decade. So who cares? It's this year that we're talking but about. But that's what I'm saying. It, it, but here's what I'm saying. It, would it surprise me if the Seahawks, like if you're asking me, do I think the Seahawks are going to win the Super Bowl? No. No, I don't. But that's not about whether you're a contender to win the thing. Who? Wh- wh- where, where, all, where would the Buffalo Bills rank in the NFC Power Rankings? Probably second or third. Are the Bills good enough to win the Super Bowl? Maybe. No. They're not. Here's the thing, though. The Saints, a hundred percent, are good enough to win the Super Bowl, and even might be the the leader in the clubhouse. I think they're the only team in the NFC that does have the that has Super Bowl caliber talent. That's all I'm saying. I'm saying that the teams that right now, the, the teams that are a cut above in the mm-hmm. NFC are the Packers, the Vikings, the Saints, the Seahawks, and the 49ers. I think that the Saints are the only team that actually has cut above true Super Bowl level talent. I guess the I point agree. that I'm making is not this. I can't guarantee the Seattle Seahawks are not going to win the Super Bowl. Oh, no can. one can. Of course. If the Seahawks won the Super Bowl, they would be the worst, not the worst, they would be the least talented or the least elite of the Super Bowl teams this decade. They would also be less talented than a lot of teams that did not win the Super Bowl. I would agree with the second part of that for sure. Think about, like, the NFL Network did their top 10 teams of the decade, mm-hmm. and they named three teams that didn't win the Super Bowl. Right. Like, so again, here's... Here's my a better way of extrapolating this point. Think about some of those San Francisco 49ers teams. None of those teams, with Jim Harbaugh as the head coach, mm-hmm. that had Alden Smith and Navarro Bowman and right. Patrick Willis. And, I mean, those teams are significantly better, not only than the Seahawks, than every other team in the NFC right now. Granted, they don't have Aaron Rodgers. They don't have Drew Brees. But their elite level of talent, especially on defense and in the on the lines, was just significantly better. But I, I agree with you, but also what? They didn't win it. And win. that goes that goes to the point. Like, if you're asking me who to power rank the NFL, yeah. Seattle's probably five or six right now. But but especially given the conference that they're in and the scenario that is playing out before our very eyes, where if you have a bye in the playoffs and you only got to win one home game to get into your conference championship game, you are a Super Bowl contender, period, end of story as far as I'm concerned. But I also think that the, because it is a one-game scenario, it can just end so quickly. Of course. Think, think of that's the, the beauty of it. Think of all the times that Aaron Rodgers had the better team and was the best player in the game right. and didn't get there. It, that's my, that is my point. That's why I'm saying this, because they aren't the better team in terms of their total talent. I, I agree with you on that. And so, because it's a one-game scenario that actually increases the possibility that it yeah. could be you. So one point, and then i got to ask you one more question. Okay. 
the only thing in the NFL that I I always judge everything through what's historic. Mm-hmm. Like how, how do these teams rank historically? Where what are what is the legacy, or how do these teams fit into the puzzle that is the 21st century, or which, that is the 2010s? I think the Patriots have one of, if not the best defenses that we've seen this decade. Mm. I really do. I think that the numbers back that up. It's a hard take to make right now since they're just coming off of their worst performance of the season. But they were giving up like 12 points per game mm-hmm. before Sunday Night Football. Yep. I mean, they, And it's because they have two lockdown corners for the first time ever. If you give Belichick two guys he can put on an island, all the crazy stuff he can do in the middle part, mm-hmm. he's going to kill you. And that's what they've been doing. Well, even- it's obviously all his son. Bill's out. Bill's done. <laughs> That's the that 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 and the emergence of Action Jackson. That and the emergence of Lamar Jackson. The two things where you're like, man, these are the transcendent moments of this season. Hmm. But other than that, I just think that the NFL. It's not. I don't want to say it's down. I just want to say that the the narrative of parity is even greater than it has been. First of all, I think that there's way more bad teams, but also there's so many teams that even though they're quote unquote good, they ha- they have so many holes. Like every uh, every right. single team in the NFC, you can say you can point to that has a definitive hole, except the Saints, probably. Because if we were gonna if we were gonna power rank them, let's not even do that. Like one, two, three, four, five. But tiering the NFL, mm-hmm. to me, it would be three teams on the top tier, and and I would say it's a pretty clear cut. Pretty, uh, it, the the next tier doesn't have anybody, and then the third tier starts, and right. it's it's the Saints, the Patriots, and the Ravens right. and in the top alone. I guess I guess to just put a stamp on this conversation, yeah. wouldn't you agree that this Saints team, even though they're probably the best team in the NFC, is still not as good as the last couple of years of Saints teams? I don't know about that. I think the Saints defense is so underrated and constantly overlooked because Cameron Jordan is one of the five most underrated players yep, in the entire yep, NFL. Yep, absolutely, and they and they got they got. That, that draft two years ago, I think, where they got the corners going and everybody they else drafted Ohio State, to- totally. Mm-hmm. And and then also the versatility that they've had on offense, and obviously Drew Brees being out for that time. I mean, think about how good the Saints are that they went to their backup quarterback. Granted, Teddy Bridgewater, who's something of a proven commodity, but they just they just kept winning, man. Totally rolled with their backup quarterback. That's crazy in the NFL to be able to do that. So I think the Saints, uh, I think the Saints are right there with as good as they've been. Uh, we'll take a break. You know, guests, the Wingate by Wyndham is the Missoula Hotel that truly offers something for everybody. No doubt. It's conveniently located near the airport, easy for when your friends come to visit you. And you know, of course, my favorite, water slides. That's right. they got an awesome water park with a sweet water slide that's perfect for families, groups, and birthday parties. With the Wingate, they also have a terrific business travel rate, large meeting spaces for you and your clients, and one of the best rewards programs you'll find anywhere. Talk to me about breakfast. They're not messing around with the Continental. They got the full breakfast spread, man. That's what I'm talking about. I need that. They got you covered there as well. Just down the road from the Missoula Airport, the location is quiet and convenient. The parking is ample and free, and the staff genuinely cares about taking care of their guests. The Wingate is at 5252 Airway Boulevard. You can also call. Very simple, easily memorizable number, 541-8000. That's 541-8000. The best hotel at the best spot for a hotel near the airport. Let the Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula make you feel at home, even when you're not. ESPN Missoula Sports Center. 
Good evening, Ryan Tuto, Colton Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Sports Center. Hey, for the first time since 2015, FCS playoff football is back in Missoula. The Montana Grizzlies went 9-3 and during the regular season and secured a sixth seed in the 2014 FCS playoff bracket. The top eight seeds all get a bye, which means the Grizz took Thanksgiving weekend off. Tomorrow, however, Montana will be back in action, hosting the 24th-ranked Southern, Southeastern Louisiana Lions, the team from the Southland Conference, who received an at-large bid. Montana's first home playoff game since a 24-17 victory over South Dakota State four years ago will also mark UM's 24th appearance in the playoffs overall. The Lions, they rallied for an exciting 45-44 victory over number 8 Villanova last Saturday for the second win in school history in the playoffs. Montese Bobcats in the playoff field for the second consecutive year and the 11th time in school history thanks to a 9-3 record that included a resounding 48-14 win over the then third-ranked Grizzlies in Bozeman two weeks ago. That win earned Montana State the number five seed in, in its first first-round bye since 2012. MSU will host the University of Albany, a team from the Colonial Athletic Association, making its second-ever playoff appearance. The Great Danes posted a 42-14 win over Central Connecticut State for their first-ever playoff victory. Players of the Year in the state of Montana in the sport of football and what they have gone on to do. Stutel Nuanez, 102.9 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television across the state. Thanks for being with us, letting us hang out with you wherever you are. We appreciate that. We are broadcasting live from the Kurtz Polaris Studios. Kurtz Polaris at 2904 West Broadway in Missoula, Highway 83 in Sealy. Tomorrow, Kurtz's seventh annual snow day, one day only Go in there. You got a free lunch. They got refreshments for you. It's a lot of fun. You bring the kids, the whole thing, and save a ton of money. And the biggest markdowns of the entire year for one day only. It's tomorrow at Kurtz Polaris. Uh, Want to remind everybody now, we, we have had a couple of uh, 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 standards remet now since we had the week off with Carolyn, Chicken Doesn't Know Sports, with Mike Dugar doing 12 for the 12s. We also, coming up at the end of the show, the two-minute mashup makes its return. Can't wait. David's been out there chopping it up all day, so I'm uh, pumped up to hear what he's come up with for that. But, Coulter, it's time for our prep extra segment. It is brought to us by Farmers State Bank. Farmers State Bank, your Montana bank since 1907. And uh, the uh, you wanted to go ahead and take a look at some of the Gatorade players of the year who are the, the de facto, or at least devoted on sort of best football player. Now, we know that it's more than just football. you got to do a lot of stuff to be the Gatorade player. Of the yeah, year. you got to have a high GPA. Academic you stuff. Yeah, right. Stuff of the community. This, this was spurred on just because Tommy Malott from Butte High mm-hmm. won the Gatorade Player of the Year. Well-deserved. Yep. Certainly led Butte to an undefeated state championship runner-up. They, they, they were undefeated until the state championship right. game and then lost in the state championship. How many championship times have we game? seen that play itself out in the last couple of years? Man, Man Hamilton I know a couple Hamilton of times. had though. a couple of, yeah, it's a just, couple yeah, amazing for sure. Um, but the guy, I, I was looking, you know, he's a future Bobcat, Tommy Mallott mm-hmm. is, and I was looking at where the last Gatorade Players of the Year went because it, there's, there's a definitive deal. I mean, y- you want to get the, the classification MVPs and the state Player of the Year. I mean, there's just a certain feather in the cap that goes with recruiting. And to say that it doesn't influence the other recruits in the state, it does. When you get the Gatorade Player of the Year, or when you have a guy, a commitment from a guy, 
already, and then he wins Gatorade Player right. of the Year. You can say that to the other guys in Montana. Like, hey, we got Tommy Watt. He's the Gatorade Player of the Year. You guys all know how good this guy is. Right. So I was looking through where some of the Gatorade Players of the Year uh, have gone recently, and I just I found it interesting because Montana has given away uh, the Gatorade Player of the Year award since 1986. Okay. All right, 1985, excuse me. And, you know, I mean, Mitch Donahue. I was supposed to call you on that. 1985, Mitch Donahue won, and then he went on to an All-American career at Wyoming, and he played in the NFL for many years, and he's an outstanding guy. He was one of our inaugural members of the Montana Football Hall of Fame. The next year, Shane Collins. Shane Collins is one of the only guys that ever won multiple Gatorade Player of the Year awards in Montana. He was the Gatorade football and track Gatorade Player of the Year. His senior year, he went on to do both sports at Arizona State. He was a second-round draft pick in the NFL while also being the national champion in shot put. Talk about great. <laughs> talk about, I mean, that's insane, it's right? A, like, yes. I mean, if, we, if there was a kid from Montana now that went to Arizona State and was a national shot put champion and a NFL top 50 pick, I mean, just think of, think crazy. of how crazy of an athlete yeah. that guy yeah. is. Yeah. But then you look at some of the other great Montana Gatorade players there. I mean, Dave Dickinson was a back-to-back winner, the only guy Ever and mm-hmm. we know what what he became. Jason Crebo uh, at Helena, out of Helena, who then went on to be one of the greatest defensive players, one of the greatest thirty sevens in the history of Montana football. The heart and soul of the defense of the ninety five national championship team. Now, Andy Pedic went on to wear number thirty seven at Montana. Johnny Edwards led the Grizz to a national uh, championship, national championship yep. in two thousand and one as a quarterback. Pat Ryan went to play for Notre Dame. You know, I never mean, heard of them. These, the the level of these guys, some of these guys was just was so impressive. And then you had guys that were just really good players that went on to be great Grizz, like Sean Lebsock, Alex Rolanik, Matt Houston went to Arizona State, Casey McMillan uh, played in the Pac-12, Brock Osweiler went to the NFL, Matt Miller, Boise State. All right, so what? It, so so let's on down the now. line, and then Will Disley was the last Gatorade Player of the Year in Montana. That then went on to have massive success, and mm-hmm. we know him. He's, he, he was before his unfortunate injury. He's a star. He's played yeah. for the Seattle Seahawks, outstanding player. But then the next year, Andrew Grindy, which was one of the one of the crazier stories ever. He was he, he set the class double record for rushing yards in a season, and then he committed to Yale, and he decided to go to Yale instead of the Montana schools. Okay, you're going to Yale. Good right. for you. Right. But then he didn't play football. He just he he, mm. he decided I'm not playing football. And then he ended up dropping out of Yale and coming back to the University of Montana. At least the last I checked, this is five or six years ago, because he wanted to be a lawyer and wanted to go to UM Law School, but he just gave up the game, which, you know, a lot of times I, I have a lot of admiration for guys that can just walk away yeah. before they get all banged up. But uh, he didn't really become much of, of what a lot of people projected him to be. And then Baloo Chapman from Bozeman, he was a great talent, but he was just, he was hurt. From his high school days all the way through his high school. That was 2015. State. Yep, that was 2015. But this is what you want to do. You talked about how great these the, the, some of these players have gone on to right. be NFL type of well, players I, I, in the last five, six years. Exactly. When the Grizz have had a run of three straight Gatorade players of the year, when you yeah. talk about Nathan Dick from Billing Senior, Gabe Solser from Billing Senior, Carson Rostad, who's going to be a Grizz next year, one of the only guys to ever win the award as a junior. Sure. It remains to be seen what Carson Rostad becomes. Gabe Solser, he can't say he hasn't lived up to expectations. He just hasn't gotten the opportunities. But here we are, and Gabe Solser's career is half over, and he's gotten like 20 offensive touches in his career as a Grizz. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah well, and his level of talent. You know, a lot of that has been uh, certainly this season injury related. Totally. Um, and because he, you know, he didn't redshirt as a freshman uh, by his own choice, from what I understand, so that he because he's going planning to go to med school. Mm-hmm. So you, you do get that, but he. 
I, I mean, people who have watched and seen what he's done goes, oh, okay, yeah, this is this is the real deal. Hopefully, you know, obviously as a, a diminutive guy, he can get back and be healthy and have, you know, two great seasons uh, ahead of him for his sake. But to your point, Baloo Chapman went to Bozeman, went to Montana State, and, you know, didn't you know? Didn't set the hurt, world on hurt, fire. Well, he was yeah, hurt, hurt, hurt. I, mean, I mean, he started as a redshirt freshman, but he never could stay healthy. Nathan Dick really never got for, a chance. Never got a look, and now you know I went mean, to Rocky. He's ripping up the Frontier League, sure. but he just yeah. And so I, I guess what I'm the whole point of this conversation is not to just like say that the high school talent in Montana has fallen off. It's just more to say that getting the Gatorade Player of the Year and the feather in the cap that it can be for a school in recruiting. It just hasn't been as consequential as it used to be. Mm-hmm. Used to be, if you got the dudes, you probably beat some out of state FBS Mountain West style, and and or oftentimes then the guys like Matt Miller, they're just going to Boise State. You never really had a chance. Like Will Disley, I mean, I don't think Will Disley really. He might have kind of considered Montana State because his brother played there. And he's from Bozeman, but like Will Disley was going to go to Boise State with Chris Peterson, and then when Chris Peterson went to UW, he just went to UW, and right. so. Uh, it's just interesting. I think it's also just another example of how uh, this is all across America. How good you are when you're 18 is not how good you are going to be when you're 23. But also we've seen so many dudes from Montana who are just like solid first team all state style class double A football players, but then they get a chance and they work and they work and they work right now. I'm working on a feature on Mitch Brott. Mitch Brott coming out of high school. He was a first team all state guy played in the shrine game out of Billings West. He got offered a 37% scholarship, he told me. And he Mm -hmm. said, that straight up made me mad. Mm -hmm. And he said, I just stayed bad because I thought I was the best offensive lineman in the state. Both coaching staffs told me. And then I was just so taken aback when I was like, well, I'm the best. I I don't think I am. You guys think I'm the best. But I don't get a full ride. Why not? Well, here he is on Saturday. He's going to make his 48th straight start. He's a consensus All-American in my Mm -hmm. mind. He's probably going to go to the NFL. That is the, the Montana story, though. That's why these programs are special. Sometimes that, and not being the dude, not being the guy who is the Gatorade player of the year. Right. Hype can kill you, and sometimes blossoming too soon can hurt your career. And I just think that this is a, a great example of that. And again, you, know, you always have to gauge there's circumstances involved. I mean, Blue Chapman would have been a good player. He was a good player. He just, he just got hurt. And Nathan Dick... I mean, the guy's 5'10", so he wasn't going to have a chance to play D1 quarterback. He's ripping the Frontier Conference up. He's going to, I mean, now that he's going to be a junior, he's probably going to be the Frontier Conference MVP. I mean, he's a great player at that level. Gabe Solcer hopefully gets healthy. His talent is undeniable. Carson Rossett, I think he has a chance to be, uh, uh, somebody, one of my out-of-state buddies was asking me, because we were talking about this exact attendance thing that you and I were talking about off the top, and he said, what's it going to take? You know, like, does it, is it really going to take six or seven straight Big Sky titles to get people back, to get 26,500 people in Washington Grizz every week. And I said, man, I don't know if it's necessarily that. I think it's going to take a core of Montana kids that people love. Like we're going to talk about Danny Sprinkle and the Montana State Bobcats in the next segment uh, in terms of hoops. But look at look at what just having a familiar and beloved face has done. I mean, the crowd last night for South Dakota State was huge for a midweek, mid-December game. And I think that if you say guys like you know, Carson Rostad and you know, Drew Turner and Levi Janicaro and, you know, Mitch Roberts and, and some of these young yeah. Gabe Solster is another great example. Like, if in three years Carson Rostad's throwing touchdowns to Gabe Solster, people will pack the stadium. And you could, right, wrong, or indifferent, people just like to follow the kids that they've known their whole lives. Sure. And you can certainly fall in love with Dalton Sneed and Dante Olson and Samari Toure, and those guys are 
Montanans for life after playing here. But the the extra little juice that comes from mm-hmm. the Chase Reynolds type story, people right. just love it. They and that's, gravitate to and it. They, they, they gravitate to it. And that's when our moms are buying tickets to go to games, right? Yeah. That's when they're like, I want to go see the kid from Drummond. I want to go see the kid from Helena. Yeah. That's, that's what it's going to take. Yeah. Uh, well, very good. An interesting history lesson and bringing it into the current day and see, you know, kind of where we're at. Keys for sometime later on. When this football season and we're not doing all these matchups and stuff like that, maybe in the in a January segment it's going to be just evaluating the football talent in Montana because I'm looking at all these guys that won this award back in the 80s and, and mid-90s and, I mean, everybody thinks athletes are getting better. These dudes were all getting straight up. I mean, they're getting recruited by Notre Dame. <laughs> Nobody in Montana is getting recruited by Notre Dame right now. Hey, not true. I get I get calls twice a week easily. Coulter, you have a business, and your business is based in the World Wide Web. Indeed I do. So I'm on my computer all the time. And if you're not online, you're not making money, and it is important to make sure that you're online and secure. Am I right? Absolutely. Got to be cyber safe this day and age. Well, for you business owners out there, whether you have an online business or a brick-and-mortar business, it's still running through the web. We all know that's a fact. And in today's always-on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, they deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to the endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across the state of Montana. They do. They're keeping everybody cyber-secure and ensuring that businesses run the way that they need to across the state. So ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. That's goblackfoot.com slash business. And you can click the link right here in the old podcast. We've made it so very easy for you. Go visit and find out how to keep your business or the business of people you know secure online with Blackfoot. Let's go ahead and uh, get into a little bit of basketball before the two-minute mashup. Last night, Montana State tied with South Dakota State with like uh, two minutes left, something like that. Really good basketball game. South Dakota State is an outstanding program. Great team. They graduated their All-American last year. But still, I mean, the, the, the Jackrabbits are a great athletic department program in general, and their basketball team has been sort of the leader of that uh, through, throughout the years. Montana State finishes on a 9-2 run. Harold Frey, 23 points, 3 rebounds, 5 assists. Adamu, 19 points, 6 rebounds, 2 assists. I think he hit the big 3 at the end. Was that who, uh, who hit it? Somebody did. But in any mm-hmm. case. Uh, Michael Polo. Oh, Michael Polo. That's big, right. The That's dagger right. 3 at the end. But uh, finishing on a 9-2 run and winning 77-70 over a really, really good uh, Summit opponent. And Montana State... Uh, in a, uh, a home game in front of a big crowd, they did the doubleheader deal with Gonzaga playing against Number the Lady 17 Cats. Seventeen team in the country coming to Bozeman. <laughs> yeah, pretty good. Here's what. Here's that's a testament to. If you draw, you can get it because yeah. I mean, people are like a lot of people are scared to come to Missoula to play Montana. I shouldn't say scared, but they're reluctant. Like Power Fives are reluctant yeah. to come to Missoula to play. Kind Montana. of a no win situation. No win situation. But the thing about the Lady Cats is they don't draw quite as well as the Lady Grizz, but they still draw better than a lot of teams. I mean, right. they're getting two thousand fans, which is a huge number for women's basketball, for sure. and so. It's a good deal for Gonzaga to sign a home and home, close, easy travel, and I mean relatively easy travel, and uh, it's a good that's a good scheduling move by Leon Cassell. But no, the South Dakota State win was great, and the th- one of the last elements of all of college sports to me is just simply having fun. Mm. And the Cats are having fun. They're having man. fun, man. They're having fun on yep. the day of spring. He's making things fun. I mean. 
we, fraternities are not a really big thing in Missoula, but they're a way they're a lot bigger of a thing in in at Montana State. Yeah, and Danny Sprinkle got this sweet trophy built, and he's going to give the trophy once a month to one whatever fraternity shows up to the most basketball games. So mm. now they have like a little fraternity competition going. So they had like so many students there, <laughs> rowdy, having a good time. Right. That's what it takes, man. Like he's yeah. just doing such a great job in terms of re, reinvigorating the program yep. with fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, tonight, Montana men's basketball team in action. They're tipping it off at 7 at Dahlberg Arena against North Dakota. Obviously, the Fighting Hawks, a familiar foe. Uh, formerly, recently, a Big Sky Conference team now in the Summit. They're 4-5 and five on the year. North Dakota is. They got a couple of road wins uh, in a tournament hosted at FGCU. They beat Florida Gulf Coast, in fact, at home and also at Georgia, uh, Georgia Southern. But Philip Rebraca is their uh, kind of big 6'9 forward. He's a sophomore. Going to be a fun player to watch. And this Montana team, a young team, but a lot of talent, and uh, we'll look forward to see you know how how uh, how they're able to do. And this is the last home non-conference game of the year already. That's remarkable. Two more non-conference games at Oregon and at Omaha for the Grizzlies. So today, this is the one. Get out there and uh, and go enjoy the game. So it's going to be a fun tonight in Dahlberg Arena. Look forward to see how this game goes and the progress that Montana makes with its young team. It is a lot of work for this coaching staff, Coach Takir, Coach Cobbin, and the rest trying to get these kids up and running. Hey. Boys and girls, it is a Friday. And you know what that means? It's time once again to revisit all of David's great work. It's a two-minute mashup. Oh, we just went back to work. I mean, that's what you do. Hello, Montana. Hey, this is go time. Lock in. This is where the Grizz should be. I think our fans need to rise up this weekend. Bobby Houck, you know, he, he definitely had a big smile when asked about the playoffs being back in, in Missoula. Certainly, it's exciting to have playoff football back in, in Missoula. The Big State Conference is the best league in the country this year. It's not like basketball. I still think that Weber State has the most glaring weaknesses. Let's go. You got nothing. Don't back a Bobcat into the corner. You know, I made some mistakes last year. How do you reset? This week, we got to focus on on school. That would be their biggest advantage is how unusual the styles of, of football that they play are. I'm not connected. You know, I know this is going to sound crazy. I've never been to the state of New York. I walked my children into a payphone. I said, do you guys know what this is? They get a bunch of guys that are washed out. Sack would be the one I think probably be the best comparison. They got some athletes. They're just going to have such good looking athletes. Whether it's SELA or SLU, we won't be confusing them with any of the other three. I don't think they would have made the playoffs if they were in the Big Sky Conference. They air it out. The skill players from both of these schools that are coming to Montana are going to be on par. This is never going to happen again. Let's go take it out on the next person. If you're 6'1", 190, you run sub 4'4", you are an NFL guy. He is a more of a lumbering quarterback, I would guess, at 7'12", 400 pounds. They use him a little more to run it. He's a he's a big guy. He's tall, but he's big. There it's is no Albany and there is no Cluffler. There's only Albany and Undercuffler. I love the Big Sky Conference. Obviously, I've dedicated basically my whole life to it. Capital A atrocious. Might all just be pointless. Jeff Undercuffler joining us. He's the quarterback of the University of Albany Great Danes. Well, at, at high school, I, I kind of feel like I was under-recruited. Everyone thinks that we're not as good as we are. We just got to stay confident, stay calm, and our plays come. What's it like playing for a guy that is sort of a hard-nosed defensive line type coach? They're just dogs out in the world. They're animals. Is there a certain sort of curiosity about going out into, uh, you know, the mountain? time zone and seeing what the state of Montana is all about. It's just going to be so cool just, just playing playing at their big stadium. I think like 25,000 fans, the you know, big time mounds in the back and, and all that kind of stuff. You have so much talent. You would be eating dinner if you weren't on the show First right dinner. Don't you have a master's? Yeah. International man of philosophy and mm-hmm. mystery? I'm pumped up. What's your greatest fear? Carrot top. David, I'm buying you a beer. Get the special at Denny's. You can find graceful ways to exit. <laughs> Excellent work. 
once again by David Graff. My man, getting it done. Hey, boys and girls, we wrap it up. You know where we're sending you? Levi's Stadium, the Pac-12 championship game. Oregon, Utah, right now on ESPN Radio. Tomorrow, Coulter and I will be on the air at 11 a.m. for the pregame show. We'll also have the ACC championship game for you Saturday night. Some... How about Bills Ravens on Sunday morning? And then the Sunday Nighter with the Seahawks. There's your weekend on ESPN Radio, boys and girls. Appreciate you all. Enjoy it. We'll see you Monday. Whether you're traveling to Missoula for business, a family visit, or to watch the Grizz game, the Wingate wants to be your home away from home. Call the Wingate to find out how we can take care of your next trip to Missoula. From conference rooms to great complimentary breakfast to an indoor water park, we have what you need and what you want when traveling. The Wingate of Missoula is a proud supporter of Grizzly and Lady Grizz Athletics, and we look forward to making you feel at home when you're not. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.